Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, there are so many people out there who are not allowed to be who they are. And that happens first with accepting yourself. So mm-hmm. my first thought is to ask yourself, are you willing to lose everything to gain yourself? They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock, taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menswar. That's us, that's us. This is how we do it. Montel Jordan on today's episode. No, listen, <laughs> it's a dream. We've been it's a dream of ours. We've we invited him many times. He sent there's us a not cameo. A better, there's <laughs> not a better thought that rocks than how do you do it? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. That would Three be the only question rock. we have. How of do you do it? That, that's all we're going to ask you. It would be amazing. Hey, we do have an amazing guest on because, uh, you know, I thought we were going down the path of one topic title and uh, yep. our good friend Risha Grant gave us a different title. What was the title <laughs> again? Uh, the title is um, How to Be Better Than Your BS. Yes, which is the name of her book. And, and yes. uh, yeah, her keynotes, I think, is uh, is amazing. Um, yeah, she's amazing. I, yeah, I know she's a part of your uh, speaker group. I say speaker mm-hmm. group. You guys are represented by the same agent. Um, so I yes. know she's in your orbit. But uh, I have to tell you, I pulled up her bio. I just want to read this for a second because yeah. we had a great conversation. We'll talk about that. She's she's a speaker. She's a CEO of a multi-million dollar business. But this is how she introduces herself to everybody. Risha Grant is diversity personified. CEO, entrepreneur, black, female, small town born and raised, bisexual, spiritual, ex-preacher's wife, cusser, left-handed, former Division One athlete. <laughs> it's like, you, you want to talk about diversity? Boom. Here you go. She is right. the, uh, the cultural competency genius. Um, and she's won a lot of awards. This one that I thought was just great uh, among many. And we can put some of these in the uh, show notes, of course. She's a top 10 most powerful woman in leadership when it comes to HR. So she's got chops too. It's not just the fact that she's fun and smart and powerful. You know, she gets recognized all the time. So what what a good person to have in your group, right? Well, she's one of the busiest speakers on the planet. And um, after this episode, I think you'll understand why. Um, She... uh, talked a lot about radical acceptance. And I, and I mm-hmm. think that's something in this day and age that um, is so needed on every level. I think you guys are going to get a ton out of this episode. Um, how to be better than your BS would be I'd like comparable. Risha Grant, check this out. 
We are here finally with Risha Grant. Risha, you don't even know how excited we are to have you on the show today. We've tried to make this happen a few times and uh, the world just conspired to not let that happen, um, but uh, we will not be denied. So welcome, we Risha, won't. to Thoughts That Rock. Thanks so much for having me. And you're right, it's been tough to get this scheduled. So I'm, I'm truly appreciative to be here today. Oh, listen. Yeah, we booked her in 2018. Right? That's right. It only took a few times. Listen, she's a busy woman. She's a busy woman. <laughs> she is. Um, yeah. it, you know, uh, Risha and I are, are represented uh, by the same speaker management company, uh, Shannon at Six Degrees. And so um, we're, we're part of that family. And, and, um, it's just nice to have to have a member of the family on the show. And um, we're going to talk today. I just love it. I love the title of your book. I love the title of this so podcast. Good. And that's how to be better than your BS. So we're going to jump right to it, Risha. What is your first thought that rocks on how to be better than your BS? Well, the thought overall is radical acceptance. You know, I just I feel like um, there are so many people out there who are not allowed to be who they are. And that happens first with accepting yourself. So my first thought is to ask yourself, are you willing to lose everything to gain yourself? Mm. That is mm. the first thought. Mm. Preach. Come on. That, that's, I feel like I'm in church. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, 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 listen, it is a very biblical message. And what, uh, so I guess my question is, first of all, how do you, do you ever truly feel ready to do that is, is my number one question. And then secondly, cause I'm guessing the answer is maybe not, uh, unless, unless you're at the, you've hit rock bottom and you're, you're at that point in your life and it's a crossroads and, and that happens. Uh, hopefully people don't wait that long. Um, but I would assume it, it, it always feels a little uncomfortable. So if that is the case, how do, how does somebody take that first step towards radical acceptance? Well, I do think um, that people get there. I think that you get tired, you get fed up. You know, um, there are so many things that are happening in our lives. And in the space that I work in around diversity and inclusion and equity, you run into a lot of people who feel othered, who feel like they can't show up as who they are or they're going to be judged because of it. And those judgments go further than someone just thinking about them. It shows up at work with lack of promotions and and you know, uh, lack of mentors and moving up the ladder, all of these things. And I think you finally get fed up. And that's what happened to me personally, is I was doing everything everybody said I needed to do to succeed and I was still failing. So I thought, you know what, if I'm failing, if I'm going down, I'm going down as Risha, fully, you know? <laughs> and so yeah, um, yeah. I, the, to me, the worst thing that can happen is you fail and you didn't even show up for yourself. So I had to ask myself, well, are you really losing? Are you really willing to lose everything to gain yourself? And I was already losing. So, yeah. you know, mm. if I'm going out, I'm going out, I'm going out at least as me. And that I think that a lot of people get there and I'm not and it doesn't come without risk because, yep. you know, you could lose your job, your family, your friends simply for being who you are. But to yeah. me, it's worth it in the end. Yeah. Jim. Isn't it crazy that we're still talking about this? Yes. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it keeps you definitely busy and employed, but you would think we'd already be past all this, that this would now be, remember when we used to talk about this decades ago, but it's still here, whether it's in individual companies or even, 
I bet you probably see in a lot of your work specific industries where it just really has not caught on that people go, I need you to conform and be in a box. And this is the way we did it in the 19th century. So we're going to still continue to be like that. I mean, I would guess you're still blown away, but you're also super busy because people really don't know. They need some help. They need somebody like you to either talk to them in their ear or for you to, you know, for them to read your book or whatever it is, right? It, it is just, it's mind boggling. It's still going on. Yeah. Yeah. Companies, in my opinion, companies are looking for cultural fits instead of cultural additions. And so when you mm -hmm. walk into the company, you know, they that. are really excited to have you and they're they're telling all the team members that this great new team member coming in. But as soon as you show up as yourself and as soon as you start talking about things that maybe people don't agree with or understand, then they start backing up from you a little bit like, oh, I don't know if this is the right team member or not or not. But man, if you actually look for cultural additions, it is going to help your company flourish, you know, yeah. and there are so many stats to support that. So I, I just put out a, a video this week. Sorry, Brian. I was just going to say real quick. I was lucky, Rishi, because I, I worked for 21 years running training and development for Hard Rock International. And that brand was so good about diversity in almost every way you could think about. I think a lot of people probably think about the music orientation and it was tattoos and body piercings and colored hair and whatever. But having a great mix of, of not just gender and ethnicity, but people with disabilities, people that had been uh, convicted of crimes. You know, my best friend was a little person who worked as a host with us. We had people in wheelchairs, deaf bussers, like anything you can think of. It was the island of misfit toys. And I think in a lot of ways, it was such a different radical company, if I can use your word for a second, that it just became the, the place where everybody who was unique and different came and, and hung out. And it was just a different place. Now, I think there are so many businesses that are starting to look at that as, like you said, in addition, it wasn't, let me see if I can't squeeze this person in here. It's let me see if I can't use that person's strengths to our advantage. We'll get more people who look, act and behave like us, not only to work for us, but as consumers, as guests, as customers. So exactly. why wouldn't people be doing that? And, and again, this was when I was there, it was 20, 30 years ago, they were doing that. Now, I think it is way more accepting, but yet here we are, Still a lot of people who just haven't figured it out. What, what were you going to say, Brand? I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, not at all. I was going to say that not only uh, here we are again having this conversation, um, I would argue that in the last, you know, maybe two years ago, this, this really came to the forefront and people were willing to have these conversations. Um, and, and we started to see this. Risha, you experienced it, just a big uptick in companies hiring you to come and talk through these things. But fast forward to 2023 and here we are. And there's almost a bit of a backlash that, oh, yeah. that is just, pisses me off on so many levels, like, like they checked the box that said, we talked about this, let's move on and exactly. not understanding this is a systemic thing. This is not something that's going to be, you know, fixed in a, in one meeting uh, or one conversation. Uh, and they're just not willing to take a look. How are you finding today in 2023 that that's the case? So let me just be transparent. It's pissing me off. You know, <laughs> these companies are now talking about DEI fatigue. And I thought, are you kidding me? The people that need this and that that want it, 
you know, they've been dealing with it their entire lives or the 20, 10, 20, 10, 15, 20 years they've worked for your company. So how can you be fatigued after a couple of years? Yep. So I've been working in DEI for 25 years. So, you know, long before it was hot. Mm. And when it started, it was more more apathy, right? People didn't, yep. they didn't really care about it. They they were, there was, they were indifferent. And then you saw it get become the hottest topic in the world in 2020. And here we are three years later and people are losing their jobs as DEI directors and DEI practitioners are, um, are also out of work. And I think it's ridiculous. You know, I, um, I, I believe that it is being used as a weapon to keep us divided um, from a political standpoint. When mm. what we have to realize is that we don't have diversity problems. We have people problems. Yeah. And we've mm. got to prioritize people over anything. People are the hearts of our companies, of our communities. And when you make a person feel like they can thrive, not just survive, but they can actually thrive at your company, they want to be there. And so you have to get rid of some of the BS that they have to deal with, you know, and the yeah. microaggressions, the toxic work environment, the unconscious bias. Um, you have to put people in a space where they can actually be creative or actually uh, go out there and sell your product or make better products or services. And so when we take that away from people, when we make them show up every day with a full suit of armor on to deflect all the BS, hmm. that makes it a little tough to be to be creative. So. It's um, yeah. it's definitely been a long haul. This is a long game. I think that in when we get through this election year, you're going to see the pendulum swing back a little bit in the middle. And the companies that were serious about this are going to keep doing it. And the ones that are not um, that were not serious about it, they're going to yeah. they're going to drop off. I mean, the world is diverse. It's not about the numbers are about to change. They've changed. It's here. You know, yeah. one in six people yeah. are marrying outside of their race. Uh, yeah. Your company needs to look like the community that it serves and you know, we're all global with the internet. So yep. um, it's a no brainer. I, I don't, I, I truly don't get it other than the fact that people are dealing with phobias and isms and, and biases that they don't understand or don't want to understand. Yeah. Well, you're, you're such a great representative too. We were, we were talking before uh, we jumped on the camera and just looking at your bio, it was so fun to read that thing because you're like the most, I don't know, culturally relevant, you, you Frankenstein monster, every single noun and pronoun to go, yep, Rishi should be talking about this. <laughs> yeah. I, I just remember I was with the speaker bureau a few years ago and uh, they, <laughs> all of a sudden I started to have fewer and fewer gigs um, around leadership and service and building teams. And they basically go, hey, just so you know, right now, unless you're talking about DE&I, you're going to be taking a back seat for a while. And I was like, I get it. I understand it. I'm not the one for that. Um, but we have seen some of our friends like yourself who not just, you know, for all of the things that you put in the bio, but because you crush it and you've lived this. And like you said, you've been talking about it for so long. Yeah. Good on you for doing that. And uh, and there are some companies that just need to take a radical approach to just looking at their business differently. Those that have been doing it the same way, even I would say two decades ago, they're already out of step from the rest of society. Exactly. Well, we will be right back after this message. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. 
We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. All right. That's awesome, man. That's a good first, first step. What is, uh, what is your second thought that rocks Risha on this? So the second thought that rocks is that after we radically accept ourselves, then we need to learn how we can radically accept others. So when you're radically accepting others, you have to ask yourself, am I willing to be wrong to get the culture right? Right. So that means in culture, I'm not just talking about culture at work. I'm talking about the culture that surrounds you in your life. You know, we all we can't choose our coworkers. We can't choose our family, but we can choose the people that surround us and our friends. And what kind of culture is that? You know, is it is it hateful? Is it accepting? Uh, is it is it loving? Like, you know, we can be around the wrong people and they keep us thinking a different way. So sometimes you've got to clear all of that out. And so I like to talk about what's called a biosphere. And in my book, that's what the BS stands for, belief systems and the biosphere. And the biosphere are those five socializing ages that we all experience from the time that we're born, starting with our family then our friends and our peers, going into the institutions that we work for, the schools that we attend, the religion we practice, and then mass media. Hmm. All of those things, they affect how we perceive the world and the people in it. You know, and our families are first. They're the ones who teach us who we should like, who we shouldn't like, uh, you know, who's who's okay to be around. And this happens because we're living through their past pains and experiences, right? Um, our parents went through things, our grandparents went through things. So for them, you know, being a good parent or a good grandparent is making sure that our kids know these things so they can have the best shot at life. Well, a lot of times they introduce these unconscious biases to us, whether it's yeah. about race or, or age or religion or, or whatever it is, you know, we're a lot of us are not told, you know what, go out and boldly be yourself, no matter what anybody thinks in the world. And you go out there and you be accepting to everybody and you make space for them. A lot of us are not taught that we're taught be normal and be in this box. And if you can be in this box, you're going to be accepted by everybody. That's just not mm -hmm. the case. You know, it's it's just I, I have a chapter in the book called Redefining Normal because I, I hate the word normal. It, mm -hmm. it leaves out just about everybody. And, and I always joke that the people who came up with the word didn't survey the rest of the world to find out <laughs> what normal meant for all of us. You know, so it is about radically accepting others and understanding how you show up for others or to others, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, do, do you go ahead, Jim. I was just going to say, do you think, Risha, for people that maybe feel at a place or maybe they feel like they haven't been able to be themselves because these are both tough when you know you're, you're swinging the heavy stick saying you almost have to be willing to lose everything mm -hmm. but even right behind it you have to be willing to be wrong do you think are there people that are worried about just being wrong you know let's just start with that one losing everything would be woofa yeah. <laughs> but losing you know just, just being wrong might be enough for someone to go, you know what, I, I really don't want to conform with everybody else, but I feel like I have to because the other 99% are acting, behaving, they're expecting me to be a certain way. Do you think this probably tamps down on somebody being themselves? Is this maybe a real crutch for them to say, 
this is who I am because they just aren't willing to be wrong. That That's a big, right. heavy step just on that one. Yeah, right? it's yes. And mm. that's the arrogance in all of us. Right. None of us want to be wrong. But if I ask right. myself, could my thinking be wrong about anything in the world? The answer is yes, I could be wrong about that because we're making snap judgments about people. We're looking at them and we're determining if they're worthy, you know, just by what they yeah. have on, how they look, maybe their skin color. So I think I think that we're being arrogant when we say, you know what, I can never be wrong. Yes. You know, you you can definitely be wrong. And so I get it because this means that you've got to unlearn all of the stuff that you learn from the people that you love the most in the world and the institutions that you probably trust the most in the world. But the reality is those things that we're hearing about and we're learning about, they happen to other people. So I'm not saying that those stories don't matter because they do, but we've got to treat each other for how we interact with each other individually. So if somebody offends me of a different race, well, I need to deal with that person, not every person that looks like that person. And I right. think that that's what we see. And that's, that is wrong thinking. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it's one thing to be wrong. It's a whole nother thing to risk losing everything, but aren't you losing everything anyway, if you can't show up as who you are? Yeah. Yeah. Risha, I'm curious. Yeah. Are you finding that it's changing generationally? I mean, I would, I would expect that, you know, again, uh, going, thinking through boomers and, and our grandparents and th that sort of thing, uh, you know, it, 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 they came out of a very different time period. Um, and now Gen Z sort of just getting into the, into the market and, and starting to move towards middle management and all that sort of stuff. Are, are you finding that the message resonates differently generationally or is it, or is it something that is relatively the same across the board? I do think that, uh, the generation millennials and then generation Z, um, they're approaching it in a different way. They're approaching it with, I'm not going to deal with this, right? So mm -hmm. uh, if you look at the stats, they show that millennials are looking for companies that embrace DEI, that are socially conscious, that are looking at how their, what their footprint is leaving in the world. And they aren't willing, you know, and, I, and some millennials going to hear this and come after me, but, you know, they're comfortable living at home until they're 40 and they just figure it out. Right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm Gen X. I had to get out the house, take the job in Timbuktu. It didn't matter. Same. So all of us. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's a there's some difference there, but I will tell you, as ridiculous as it is, these things all still exist. They've been going yep. on since before we were born, you yep. know, and they're probably going to keep going um, because as people, we're just not willing to say, you know, what I was wrong about that, or I was wrong about this person. Yeah. And I need to change the way that I think. Um, I think until we can get there then we're going to continue to see this. I, I have said since I've been doing this, I would love to work myself out of a job. Right. If the world could just be a better, uh, you know, a better yeah. place. Um, Cause you're right. We should not be keep, still be talking about this. Yeah. Now I'm starting to think I might be wrong about this hair. <laughs> this, uh... I was going to say the hair, I can totally see you at hard rock cafe with the hairdo. <laughs> Yeah, back then it went down. I had a mullet, but that also was wrong <laughs> for about a decade. I'm going to say the mullet now was wrong. I'm going to judge yes. the mullet. Thank you. Thank you for all you of can, us. You can judge. Yeah. He, he looked like is, Andre Agassi. I'm not even lying. He looked just like Andre Agassi in that I time of pictures. his life. 
<laughs> think, I went from Andre Agassi to kid and play. Think, yes. think George Michael with a mullet is exactly what he looked like. <laughs> Andy pictures. Risha, let's talk about your third thought. Yes. Let's get off this hair. Okay. So I open myself up here. What, what, what is this awesome third thought that Okay, rocks? so we've addressed radical acceptance of yourself. We've addressed radical acceptance of others. Now it's radically time. It's time to radically accept the world. So are you willing to lose your judgment in the moment to win humanity in the end? Mm. Mm. <laughs> say, that, say that again. Are you willing to lose your judgment in the moment to win humanity in the end? Because here's the thing. I can vehemently disagree with your worldviews or how you live your life and still embrace the humanity in you. Yeah. Both things can happen. <laughs> Both things can happen. Yeah. And so, and, and at the end of the day, if I can't get over who you are, you know, then I'm going to leave you the hell alone at the very yeah. least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the very yeah. least. So I, I believe that humanity is missing. We're, we're not looking at the humanness in each other. Mm -hmm. You know, we look at these things and we say diversity is horrible and diversity is pushing the white man out and all of these things. And it's not. People are doing that. If any company is doing diversity in a way that is pushing the white male out, they're not doing it correctly. This yeah. is about all of us, not some of us. This is about the fact that we're all here. We all need to be able to thrive and have a decent quality of life. And we have to make room for that to happen. But nobody should be losing their jobs simply based on diversity. Well, this is the conversation going on in the country, right? I mean, uh, p politically anyways, over the last yes. few, you know, few, let's say eight, nine years, you know, it's, right. uh, it's the, the country is as divided as it's ever been. And, um, which is just sickening, uh, uh, you know, and I, and I think that I guess my question would be, I mean, I agree with you. 10,000% uh, that this is the question that should be asked. Um, I would argue that 80% of the time emotion wins and um, humanity loses. And mm -hmm. so how do you, how do you battle that? How do you take that pause um, to ask yourself, is it worth humanity's sake? I think we have to. I think we have to get there. The way we take it is, for one, you know, back to the beginning here, being aware of who we are and how we are treating people in the world. Yeah. You know, and then when you can really look at that and say, wow, I have been wrong about this. Now we can get to this space of let me stop judging people. You know, mm -hmm. because I, I joke all the time. I mean, I, I'm judging people wearing pajamas in Walmart. You know, I am, I am judging people with socks and sandals. I don't understand. You know, <laughs> there are some Agreed. judgments that aren't going anywhere. But when it comes to some of those judgments about the way someone looks or their skin color or something, I feel that firing off. So when I talk about my my unconscious biases, mistrust of, of white people, not mm -hmm. understanding uh, transgender people, those are things that I had to say, whoa, wait a minute. You know, that is not all inclusive. Yes, I may have had some mm -hmm. some issues or misunderstandings with uh, with white folks, and maybe some of them were racist, but that is not all of them. I know so many amazing people. You mentioned Shannon being one of them. Yeah. You know, so many amazing people. You cannot lump everybody together. Mm -hmm. So how do I educate myself? Well, I go out there and I start talking to people, and I realize, well, wait a minute, I'm probably more mad at um, I've had more. Uh, dealings with black folks that I'm upset with than white folks. Or maybe mm -hmm. um, I realize that 
when I go and talk to a, a one person that I knew that was trans, had an amazing lunch with this person. So it begins to lower all that stuff. And now when it pops off in my head, I make a different behavioral decision in the moment. You know, if you, if you think I about do. getting on an yeah. elevator, yeah, you think about getting on the elevator with someone who makes you, that makes you uncomfortable. I mean, yep. the first thing we do is squeeze in the corner and, and pull our personal items in closer. Or you could say, hey, how's your day going? Now I have kind of removed any awkwardness in the elevator and I'm having a good conversation for the 20 seconds that we're on the elevator instead of praying that the elevator hurry up, you know, it would hurry up and get to my floor. Yeah. So I think we have to, um, we have to get to that point and it, and it does take a while, especially if you're not somebody that's aware of it or even trying to be aware of it. Well, I think the other challenge is, I know it puts a bit of a, um, um, uh, I, it puts a, uh, people in a bit of an awkward scenario, you know, and, and I've, ex- I've experienced this in a different way of, you know, because I've lost a child, it's like anybody who hears of a story of somebody who has lost a child, uh, they bring me into the conversation. Right. And, yes. and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be part of that conversation. You know what I mean? That's I, yes, I, I uh, have, suffered through that, but that doesn't mean that I'm the representative for every single person who has lost mm-hmm. a child. And I need to talk to people about how they should or shouldn't behave or the things that they should or shouldn't do. Um, right. I, I think that, I mean, I don't know. I would assume that it either has to be a bit of a, of a challenge for anybody of any race to speak on behalf of the race, right? Like that's, it's, it's not fair. It's not fair to ask the person to do so. Um, and I think that that's part of the, maybe why the conversations don't happen, um, Mm. as much as they should, because I know for myself, I would never want to put somebody in a position to feel like that. And now hopefully I've, I have earned the right to have a deep, heartfelt conversation. And that's, I think that's the ultimate goal uh, in this scenario is you got to get to know someone and get to love them to the point where you can have an open, honest conversation and it's, and they know it's coming from the right spot. They know that, that, that you have earned the right to have this conversation because you're genuinely want, want to be better and, and grow and all these sorts of things. But if you're not in that scenario, if you don't have um, connections to people across race and sexual orientation and all those sorts of things, it makes it really hard to have a conversation with someone because it's like, Hey, you're gay. Let me ask this question. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's such a weird thing. How in this idea of radical acceptance, do you find that it's as much radical acceptance of somebody willing to, accept someone as they are and have an open and honest conversation with them. Is it the same radical acceptance of the person who has to have that conversation? Do they have to sort of accept a little bit of that role? That's, that's a great question. And I would say you have to do what, what it is you feel is right for you on the inside. There are times when I don't have the energy for the conversation and trust me, people expect me to have the energy for it every day, all day long. You're the expert. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, even when I try to get away from it and I'm like, I'm not going to get off social. I'm not going to watch certain things on TV. My mom called. Did you see what just happened? No, I didn't see it. Right. Um, So when I don't have the energy, I'll say to someone, Hey, can I circle back with you a little bit later? You know, I just don't want to talk about this right now. 
But also, so I've talked about trans people. Um, I knew one trans woman. I wanted to learn more. And yeah, I can go look at all this stuff online. But the best way to to understand and get to know people is to talk to someone who has that lived experience, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Totally. And so when I, I knew her, but I wasn't comfortable enough to ask her. So I, I we have a mutual friend that I called and said, hey, I would just love to, you know, meet with her and ask her some questions. And this person readily agreed to that. And I was able to self-educate, but I gave her an out. I said, if she is exhausted or does not feel like doing this, I get it. It's not going to hurt my feelings, um, but I but I at least want to ask. And so you have Mm -hmm. to be in the right headspace, because if you're not, um, you know, it's not going to go well for either person. And sometimes people will tell you, no, I don't want to do it. And you have to respect that as well. Um, But I do. I I always tell people I encourage them to to say, you know what, even if I don't want to do it in the moment, Maybe there's a time later that I can come back to this because that person is putting themselves out there, too, to even ask. Totally. So I think Mm -hmm. that um, it's not an easy, especially if you don't know somebody. I do. Now, I encourage people, you know, kind of get to know somebody um, kind of you want to have a conversation that is genuine and and a perfect stranger is probably not going to just unload and tell you all of these things. But maybe you have what I call a, you know, a bias check, a BS check where you go just have 20 minute coffee with people. And I encourage them to, I encourage them to go with 20 minutes because in case that person is really a jerk, <laughs> lunch is a long time. Right? <laughs> yes. So 20 minute cup of coffee. And we even have different, different questions, you know, set up for people just to be able to ask about, you know, and it's a, it's a, let me get to know you a little bit. And if this is cool afterwards, maybe we'll do this again. And we continue to, to get to know each other because Think about it. You can have all of these um, these crazy thoughts about people. But the minute you sit down and laugh with them mm-hmm. and, and talk about things, it just lowers yeah. any reservations yep. there because, yeah. you know, it, you're not thinking about any of the craziness that we're thinking about when it comes to other people. We're just like talking to another person. Yeah. And so um, I, I tell people all the time, these these conversations that are being happen happen. Um, ugh, sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. The conversations that are happening in our companies that are difficult, they're not that difficult if we take the time to get to know each other. Yeah. So, you know, some people sit next to each other for 30 years, have kids the same age and never really have a conversation um, that's not outside of what they have to do at work. And so I'm maybe it's because I'm from Oklahoma, but I'm probably going to try to know everything about you in the next five minutes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love this thought. I, I love it. I was going to, you know, you take a very holistic approach. I think you put it well. I think it was either your first or second thought when you're talking about culture isn't just about work. It's also, you know, individuals and the cultures and everything that comes with that. I guess my mind was going a little bit more on the business side because I tie this honestly back to your second thought about being wrong. When you talk about judgment in the moment and in my previous life, I was licensed to teach uh, the seven habits of highly effective people. So, you know, the Stephen Covey stuff, there's a transitional phrase when you're dealing with conflicts that just through me teaching other people, I feel like I became better. And and I am now, I'm the type of person now that I am so okay with being wrong. Like I I actually will lean into it because I think if, you, you know, again, I'm going back to your second thought for a second, be willing to be wrong, but now this moment of you got to be willing to to lose judgment in the moment. 
I'm okay with somebody having a completely, totally, in my mind, maybe that's a radical approach or perspective, but we can go back and forth and talk to it. And I really do want to understand their position. I am now at the place where I can go, man, it is so cool that you see things differently. Mm -hmm. And then you move on because in my mind, I go, this is just awesome. We totally see it differently. I get your understanding. I get your perspective. I might even verbalize back to the extent that you feel completely heard, but now we can move on and we'll just agree to disagree perhaps on that one thing. But I think if more people were to even just take this thought to me, this one is really powerful. And then I love the fact that you put the twin humanity. Now it's like, oh my gosh, I really have to learn it. I think if you can be willing to just go, you know what? I have a different opinion. I have a different thought where we might not be able to get past this and be on the same page but I'm okay with that. I'm willing to lose my judgment, maybe be wrong. Let, let, let's definitely take that and use those differences as a strength and perhaps on a project or the way we approach things down the road. So I, I, I again, I know you were looking at it from both business and professional. Right. My mind always goes to professional first and think, man, how could I use this thought? Maybe this final question before we sort of wrap up here, how can you, if you say you're willing to lose judgment in the moment, what would that look like to somebody? Like what, what would it uh, entail for them to say, I better be prepared for these consequences if I'm going to do this? I, so there, there's an exercise that I use where I ask people to imagine they're on an airplane and this, the flight, they've announced the flight is completely full, but that middle seat is open. Now we've all done it, the prayer, the silent prayer. We look at people coming down the aisle and say, oh God, please don't sit here, please don't sit here, please don't sit here, right? And we do that for so many reasons. We're gonna do it because somebody is overweight. And we, we tend yeah. to always you know, associate someone being overweight with a bad smell. So we're thinking all of these things. We see people coming with facial tattoos and the dyed hair and piercings everywhere where we're gonna worry about if they're a criminal. We see somebody with the kids strapped to them that's screaming already, right? So we have all these judgments that we're making in the moment about these people. If we can just take that, that moment and say, okay, this person's gonna sit here, you know, and I'm gonna, if I feel like talking, I'm gonna talk to this person. I'm gonna ask questions. Yeah. I'm gonna just, just chit chat, nothing, no, not anything deep. We're not gonna get into crazy, you know, questions that we shouldn't be asking a perfect stranger. But just smiling at a person, just saying, hello, how's your day going? It can change the whole mood of how you're feeling and maybe any uncertainties that they're having as well. Yeah. So it's not all mm -hmm. the time. Like, let me ask you about what it's like to be a black bisexual woman in, the, in, the, in America. Right. <laughs> it's, it's not that it could be. You know what? That tattoo is really interesting. Um, there's a guy sitting sitting in front of me that had Mickey Mouse like tatted down the side of his face. I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but I was thinking, I really want to ask him why Mickey Mouse. Right. <laughs> you know what's that was, that was what do you yeah. love about Mickey Mouse so much that you would tat him <laughs> on your face? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I believe that it's not this this big thing all the time. Mm -hmm. It's the showing the humanity in you. You'll be surprised at how many adults mm -hmm. that are thirty and up who tell me, Risha, nobody smiles in the office. Nobody says good morning or, you know, or hello. And you would think at, at those ages that w we don't really care, but we do, mm. especially if you're a manager or a supervisor and you don't come in and say yeah. hello or good morning. The first thing that person thinks is you have something against them. Yeah. 
You know, the thing that we're not thinking about is somebody could be going through a divorce. They could have a sick spouse or parent or kid. Like all of these things are going on in our lives that have nothing to do with you. So if we lead with kindness first, we can help alleviate all of the BS, you know, if we can just be kind. But instead, we just take we take it personal, too. You know, and now, again, not bagging on Oklahoma a lot, but we speak every single time we see a person. I could see you 10 times and I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to wave and say hello. <laughs> so when I say hi to somebody and they don't speak back, you know, I'm always like, hello. Hi. Maybe they didn't hear me, you know, and then finally somebody's looking at me like, hi. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, how's your day going? And you can really see how easy um, how more how people relax a little bit in that, you know, and and sometimes people do unload on you. But for the most part, you've just made their day a little bit better. And for some people, you may be the only person that day that smiled at them or said a kind word. And it goes so far. I mean, so far, whether you're at work or not. But definitely in that work environment, you need the team that you work with. You need a cohesive team. That means we, we need to laugh and talk. And maybe we're having drinks after work or whatever it is um because when we get along and we're we can freely without worrying about trusting each other freely put ideas out there we're going to give the company the best that we have love it but if i have to sit there in my suit of armor i'm pretty uncomfortable and i can't think straight yeah so yeah Yeah. lose the losing the judgment does not mean losing your soul yeah yes (laughs) it just means that maybe this person's foot is hurting and they needed to wear house shoes to walmart yeah (laughs) yeah yeah I'm a bunion. You don't know. <laughs> exactly. You don't know what's going on there. So we can keep those judgments to ourselves. The world's a better place. That's right. I, there's still some passive aggressiveness in there somewhere. <laughs> so just to be clear, on the airplane scenario, grabbing the barf bag, <laughs> yes. that's not good, right? Not don't good. do that. Not Risha, Risha, I was going to say, okay, I right. do the middle the middle seat thing, and that's when Jim's traveling with me and is in the middle seat. <laughs> it's like, so you're worried please, about please, him. Please don't, yeah. don't sit next to me. Please don't sit next <laughs> to me. Yes. You know, I, I have to see you enough already. Listen, you have been yes. absolutely amazing. It was well worth the wait. Um, I'm sure this is going to be the first of many conversations we have. This is such an important subject. I am so looking forward to uh, it. You know, um, it's something that we just – we, we want to help champion on, on your behalf, um, as much as possible. Uh, the, the message is something that is, it's not, it's not a flavor. It is something that actually has to happen, uh, continuously. It is about continuing to grow, uh, individually. And I think you're right. It's, this is a human issue. Um, and, and it's something that we have to take incredibly seriously. Where would you like us to direct people, um, to learn a little bit more about you, what you talk about, maybe how they could work with you? They can go to my website, which is reshagrant.com. It's on my shirt here, so mm-hmm. you can check me out mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> at reshagrant.com. And I am pushing everybody to Amazon to, to buy my book, Be Better Than Your BS. Love it. Love yeah. it. You should have that website, too. I better, do. Better than your BS.com. I do have, oh, I okay. do have that. Right. It redirects to reshagrant.com, but yes. Smart. Fantastic. Perfect. Perfect. Listen, you've been a Amazing. This is great. Amazing. Thank you so, so much. Thanks, guys. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah, and listen, we know how busy you are. And grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by. 
So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and a review so that we can continue to grow the show. Thus That Rock is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and also supports Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org. Finally, if you're interested in having Brant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, contact us directly at thoughtsatrock.com. Until next time, rock on! Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living.